Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind, episode 67. When I started homeschooling, I studied all the different philosophies of homeschooling, and I came across some major commonalities. And pretty much, you know what that is? Read great books. Read great books and discuss them. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Debbie Warner. Debbie is a Skyline High School graduate, which is a local high school, and then she went to Ricks College. She has an associate degree in arts and science, and she attended BYU for a year before she went on an LDS mission to Peru. She was the head teacher of the Migrant Head Start here in Idaho, and she also taught a children's singing group called Talent Sprouts. Debbie has been homeschooling for 12 years. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here, too, because I just love you. I think you're an amazing oh, person. So I oh, get thanks, Rebecca. talk to you a little bit about um, some of your experiences. So I told our audience a little bit about you. Do you want to expand upon that? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm the mother of six. When we started our family, we were really excited. And early on, we had some learning challenges with some of our children. So it's been a really long journey to help some of my children achieve great success. And we have been able to do that. And it's been through all kinds of avenues. We have done all kinds of things. So my second child is a boy. And when he was four years old, we had him tested. And he was a year and a half to two years across the board in all the developmental fields. And so we got really serious about finding some help for him. He was in the school here for the preschoolers. And we took him to all kinds of specialists. We took him to an optometrist that actually helped him train his eyes so he could track. We took him to a place called Human Learning Dynamics. We also took him to a place called Learning Techniques. So we did a lot of things, and he was in special ed and actually had an aide in the classroom with him for four hours a day. So he was seriously behind and really having a hard time. I also discovered zone therapy, which is an acupressure of the feet when he was five, and I trained to do that so that I could do it on him regularly. And within two years, that little boy was speaking Oh, that's neat. Pretty exciting. And he told me he would never read, write, or speak. So we were thrilled about that. And with just like I said, lots of help in the community, lots of teachers, lots of really amazing things happened. When he was in eighth grade, one of his teachers told him he was in special ed, which we had never told him that. We had always told him he could do whatever he wanted and that he was a bright, brilliant little boy. Because he was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he couldn't talk. But he could take things apart. And even though his problem is mainly in language, he never was in special ed for science or math. He was always at grade level and with no help with the science and math. So he had it in there. He just had some challenges to overcome. 
But he was devastated when this teacher told him he was in special ed. And he was very angry at me. He's like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I'm stupid. I can't do anything. And I went, no, 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 no. This is not happening to you. We have put too much time and effort into you for you to sabotage yourself by thinking this. And that's when I brought him home from public school and started homeschooling him. I did do it through a charter school because I wanted him to have a high school diploma. And so this charter school at the time was amazing. They let me basically pick my own curriculums and do a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff we did was through the Boy Scouts of America. There, there are things so like we did the computer science and we did the electrical stuff and history things like genealogy. And so he was able actually to earn his eagle and get credit for doing public school. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's really yeah. neat. So in Idaho, we have what was called the ISATs and he passed those his junior year. And I sent him back to the public high school his senior year so that he could see that for the first time in his life, he was not in special ed. He did not have an aide and he could do it. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So he's presently in Idaho Technical College. So he's in a technical college right now and he is succeeding. Oh, that's great. It does make a difference when we label children what ends up happening and how they react to that. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So we talked about you going to the traditional, you went to the the traditional schools here. We've kind of touched on it with some of his special needs that he needed. Why did you choose to homeschool then? Was it that reason or? Actually, it's a whole bunch of stuff. So when I was in this area, I had a really good friend who moved in and she homeschooled her little daughter. Her, Her oldest was five and they were doing all these exciting things. She's really into the United States Constitution and politics. And they did a curriculum called I Love America. She was always telling me these cute things she was doing, and it just seemed so fun and wonderful. And then in 2000, my husband started contracting. He was fixing airplanes, and he was traveling all around the country. So we bought a fifth-wheel trailer, and we went with him for four, well, actually six months. So I had four little children at the time. The youngest was a kindergartner, and the oldest was a seventh grader. And that was my first experience in homeschool because we were traveling, so we couldn't really put him into a school for a month or six weeks. So I decided to homeschool. And it was wonderful and a disaster because I tried to do public school. Yeah, and I, when I, you're traveling, it's, it's even harder. I mean, well, even more was, difficult. <laughs> kind of crazy because I had four math curriculums. I I was trying to do public school at home. And so I sometimes started at 6 a.m. and ended at 6 p.m. So I really don't recommend that. But we did have fun and we did learn a lot of stuff. And it was an amazing experience. But I came home and put my kids right back in school. (laughs) My school experience was I'm an introvert to the umph degree. And I was very quiet and shy in elementary school, especially. And so, you know, the teacher said, be quiet, raise your hand, be a good student. And I took them at their word. So I was really quiet because I wanted to be told I was good. I was really quiet and I always raised my hand. And I noticed that it was the pretty girls that were chit chatty, that were always talking to the teachers that she was paying attention to and not the children that were trying to be good. Even though she was telling everybody to be quiet. (laughs) Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so I it was kind of lonely and I was a little timid. And I just remember being bored. It seemed like all I did was wait. Wait for the paper to be passed back. Wait to sharpen my pencil. Wait to get a drink. Wait to go out to recess. Wait to come back in and put my coat on. I mean, it would just seem like all I did was stand around or sit down and wait. I was really bored. 
And so it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And my third child, a daughter, when she was in fifth grade, asked me to homeschool her. And I said no. Because <laughs> I'd gone back to college. I was going to go finish my degree and I was going to go to work because all my kids were in school. Well, lo and behold, we found out that we were going to have another child. So she said, would you homeschool me, mom? She was being emotionally bullied at school. Oh. She had a group of girls that were saying, you can't play with us. You're not my friend. Only she can be my friend. And I didn't realize how bad it was until after she was married, actually. I never really found out how bad it was. Wow. But I, I brought her home and her little sister said, I want to be homeschooled too. So I had a third grader and a sixth grader and we had the most amazing year. We did well, a unit. They probably loved seeing their baby or you know sister their sister Actually, yeah, their, yeah. <laughs> anyway grow up in front of them too yeah so. it was really cool we did a unit study called it's from learning adventures it's called the world of adventure and we studied ancient egypt and greece and rome and we had so much fun and that's actually the next year is when I brought my son home, my older son, and he was a ninth grader. So that was kind of exciting to have such a spread, but we survived. <laughs> <laughs> so how has your paradigm or your educational philosophy changed over time or with experience? Well, I love unit studies. I love, love, love unit studies. However, my philosophy is classical. So I have been really drawn to the classical model. Here's my philosophy. This is by Diane Lockman, and it's from a book she wrote. An educated child knows how to use his native language to reason critically and communicate effectively. So she talks a lot about mastering skills and not subjects. And my two little tail enders, I have a, a little a daughter that's 11 and a son that's 7 right now, and they both have learning challenges. And so what I have found is, is that I have to focus on the basics. I have to focus on the reading. I have to focus on those skills. If I get sidetracked and too many other things, then I'm letting those skills not develop to the point they need to. So that's where I've ended up along my, my journey. Just kind of focusing on those basic skills. So Yes. That sounds great. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Well, I have an interesting philosophy, I think, and maybe not. I came into this thinking, I will do as good as or better than public school or I will not homeschool. I just really felt like I had to do an amazing job. Just give it your all type of thing. It, yes. And so my thing is make school a priority and don't schedule anything else during school time. And it's so easy to let it happen. And you put in a message on your answering machine that says, I'm sorry, I can't answer the phone between, you know, and whatever your school hours are, eight to two, nine to three, whatever it is, you say, I'm just not going to answer the phone and then don't. That's, <laughs> yeah. it's hard, but that's, the, that's really what it takes. It I, really does take that. I've actually even had to leave a message like you've reached Rebecca Bowman <laughs> or, you know, if you're getting this, it's you're calling during our school times and we've had to leave messages like that and we will call you back at this time because... <laughs> people just think you're home and so you should just answer your phone but so, yeah. yeah or they, they make appointments for you then or that you can go to the dentist then or that you can babysit their children then or yeah. <laughs> multitude of things and you can't yeah I've had to be pretty firm about it so. so what do you think about socialization I mean we talked about your oldest daughter or one of your daughters being emotionally bullied so what do you think about socialization and what do you think it means to be socialized? 
Well, I think that children are children and that they act like children. And I think to be socialized, a child needs a model of what is appropriate behavior and the actions from a happy, loving adult. So I think the best socialization is done in a family. Yeah. A yeah. family community setting. And the cool thing about homeschool children, and I've seen this clear across the board, is they are comfortable with little kids, kids their age, older kids, and adults. And in fact, my 11-year-old, who is really has some major learning challenges, is really comfortable talking to adults. And she's a really shy girl. And so I know that if she hadn't had this experience, that wouldn't be comfortable for her. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think people who, uh, when they look at homeschooled kids and they see them talking to a lot of different people, uh, you know, adults and younger people and whatever they think they think that's almost strange because we don't see other teens do that at all. <laughs> so, one of my favorite things is when I go into iFamily, I have kids that are saying hello to me and actually talking to me. Um, I can walk down the halls in my church and try to talk to some scouts and stuff that I've actually been their leader, and <laughs> they stare at the floor and they won't say a word to me. So. Oh, wow. So so I love going into that homeschooling environment where all those children are so readily, you know, willing to say hello. So, Right. Do you think it's really important to do things with other families? We're not isolated by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) We do things with all kinds of groups, and it's kind of exciting because, like, occasionally I'll think, I really need this for my child, and, oh, my neighbor does that, and what can I do for my neighbor? So, like, right now, my daughter's taking crochet from my neighbor, and her daughters are coming over for a little ballet class, and I just have a little DVD, and we put it on, and that's a fair exchange. And we do iFamily. We're not there this year, but we have. And then we also do a co-op called Classical Conversations, which is memory work and fine arts and science projects. And, and so, yeah, we get out in the community, but we have to limit, you know, how yeah. much time we're away so that we get our studies done. Yeah, that is the other interesting thing. You know, I've heard uh, some people say, well, I want my kids to be part of the community. But when you homeschool, I mean, you are in the community all the time and they're seeing what's going on with the adults and some of those things versus just being in a, a classroom with other kids their age. So right. definitely in the community. So what would you say one of the biggest obstacles that you face is and what have you learned from those obstacles? Questioning myself, you know, am I doing enough? That's probably my biggest obstacle. And I try to rethink things over and over and I've tried way too many curriculums and I've changed the math program way too many times. (laughs) And I, at one point, I started letting subjects and lessons become more important than the relationship with one of my children. One of my daughters, she... And I didn't realize this at the time, but she apparently has some math calculus problems. Anyway, she has problems with math. She's actually brilliant in math and she does just fine at it. But because all of my children are dyslexic, she was taking two hours when she was in the public school to make perfect little columns when she was doing her math. And she would spend two hours every night doing her math homework. Wow. And so... I didn't realize this, but because of the dyslexia, the reason she had to be so precise and make the cute little columns with the lines in between them was because the numbers were bouncing around on the page for her. And for her to keep everything together, she had to be so, she just had to spend so much time. Yeah, precise. That's perfect. Yeah. And so when I was homeschooling her, we'd get into this fight about math. 
you know, do your math. I don't want to, you know. Yeah. And she'd already done algebra. I mean, I was like pushing her into geometry and algebra too. And she didn't want to do it. She wanted to write reports. And I'm saying, no, do your math. I mean, think about this. (laughs) She wanted to write reports. Let the girl write reports, okay? (laughs) Sometimes we just think our children are being obstinate. She may not have the communication skills to necessarily to voice to you. I mean, why math was so difficult and why she wanted to, you know. I mean, sometimes we just think they're just being, you know, oh, they're just dragging their feet or they're. (laughs) Right. Would you agree with that then? Definitely. And it's not important. Nothing is more important than the relationship. You know, hurting her feelings and telling her to do something she didn't want to do. I mean, granted, children need to learn to add and subtract and multiply and divide. Uh, Granted. But she was in algebra. You know, she had enough math. I never did anything beyond algebra one. I didn't. I didn't have to. And so it was kind of just that public school mentality. Well, you have to do this, 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 this. Well, she was in drama. She was in acting. She did the Shakespeare stuff and some more acting. And she was in singing all the time she was growing up. I always put her in singing. And that's what she wanted to do with her life. And now she's married and has two little kids. And you know what she wants to do? She wants to be an event planner. Well, she doesn't need Algebra 2 to be an event planner. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to really think about the child and what's best for them and not what you think they should do. Yeah. And what readies them. I I would think that sometimes like bookkeeping skills or those types of math. I mean, that might be something that you really focus on if if an, being right. an event planner is so important, you know. So right. So yeah, but definitely trying to tailor the education to what the child wants to do. So that's funny too. Like she wants to do reports and you're telling her- <laughs> Yeah, it is hard. It's hard to get out of that sometimes. So, so what do you do to combat discouragement or bad days that you may have? So when my my older children were little, and I had a little baby, they already knew how to read when I started homeschooling. And so on those bad days, we had pajama read days, we would just stay in our pajamas and we would read and it would give me space to just breathe and take care of the baby. And I can't think of a better school day than a day when your kids spend reading. Yeah. <laughs> My I, kids love pajama days. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so you, you know, we would just bring our pillows and blankets and snuggle on the couch. And I would read to them some and they would just read on their own. And so now my two youngest really don't read that well yet. And so what I do now is I homeschool year round. And I plan a lot of vacation breaks. So we have a lot of inventive days off. Like the first day of snow, it's a no school day. Birthdays, no school days. Anniversaries, no school days. We have all kinds of special holidays. And then I just have mom days, you know, where it's we'll get up. I'm really blessed because their 25-year-old brother does math with them. So they've done math before breakfast. So he does that with them. That is and then nice. we have, <laughs> yes, it's wonderful. And then, and then we have breakfast and then we usually start into our day. And our day is really fun. We start out with singing. And so we'll probably do our singing and our devotional and our, our spiritual time. And then if I'm just having a rotten day, that's probably all they'll do. I'll give them free reading time and that's probably it for the day. Well, and taking those breaks sometimes, I mean, sometimes we push things when, 
we're just not feeling it and they're not feeling it. And then we ruin the like the mood and the I don't know, the atmosphere in the home because we're pushing things that's beyond what our capabilities are that day. <laughs> so, And then we have other days. I mean, I do. I don't know about you. Um, maybe you can comment on this one. I'm, we get a ton done and you're feeling wonderful and, you know, things are going swell and, you know, there's no pushing and rushing. I mean, we just kind of have to flow our education that way. I think we've been brought up in, you know, this institutionalized type of education where it didn't matter how you were feeling or what was going on, you were going to get that done. And with homeschooling, you kind of have that option of just kind of enjoying it for what it is. (laughs) So And when your child's sick, they don't have to school. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so bad with that. I've done that before. Like, well, if you're up and walking around, (laughs) you're good enough to do school. I have to admit that I've done that, too. If you're you're not sick enough, you need to be in bed. You can at least do your math. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care if your headache's throbbing. (laughs) Before we go on, let us take a minute and hear about our sponsors. Changing a paradigm takes some study. But like me, you are probably super busy. That's why we've teamed up with Audible. Go to our website, theluminousmind.net. Get a free month of Audible with two audiobooks, thousands of titles, in exchange for only books that you absolutely love. You too can be learning on the go to keep that fire burning. Welcome back to The Luminous Mind with Debbie Warner, a homeschooling mentor. So what are some successes that you've seen of homeschooling? Well, like I said, my son, my second child, my son, he reads, he speaks, he got his regular high school diploma, he's attending college. My married daughter is planning on homeschooling her children. I think that's pretty successful. Yeah. She thought that it was such a wonderful thing that she wants to carry it on. And I have another daughter who's actually serving an LDS mission right now in California that she wants to serve people. She went from, you know, school, her her high school, to I want to serve people. I think that's a total success. Yes, it is. And even though my two younger and all of my children, well, some of them more than others, but they all love to read. Even though my little ones really struggle with reading, they still want to, and they still like to, and they love to go to the library and get books, and they like to learn. Yeah, that is a success anymore. I mean, we hear so many times, and that's one thing that my children talk about when they talk to other kids that learn in more of a traditional manner. They find out that most of them really don't like school, and they don't like learning, and it's just really sad. So right. share with us some personal habits that help to make you successful. We've talked about how you schedule your time a little bit, but mm-hmm. what's some things you do? Well, we have two grades, and I got this from the Thomas Jefferson education. We have A or DA, which is you mastered it or you do it again. So we do <laughs> that. A lot of times, like I said, I have other people do math in the morning with my children. So when the older children were little, their dad would actually get up and do math with them in the morning. So he would do something called challenge math, which wasn't really their math curriculum. They would do math later on in the day, but it was these really interesting problems. And they had like the beginner problem and the intermediate problem and the advanced problem. And then they'd have the Einstein problem. 
And so they thought they were really hot stuff when they would get the Einstein problem right and their dad would get it wrong. So <laughs> I would I would be laying here in my bedroom and I would hear all this laughing and giggling going on in the dining room. So that was kind of fun. Oh, that's great. One of the things I do because I don't know if I just have a hard time because I have so much to keep track of, but I have a whiteboard in my dining room and it stares me in the face. And then I take wet erase markers and I write, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday to Saturday. And then I make columns and then I write things that happen every Tuesday. I write those in the wet erase marker. And then things that are just for this week, like on Tuesday, I'll write in dry erase marker. And so at the end of the week, I just can take a a dry paper towel and wipe the board and the stuff that's supposed to stay stays and the rest of it goes away. And so I constantly am looking at this board and I know, oh, today I have an interview with Rebecca. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> it saves my bacon. I can't even tell you how much it saves my bacon. Yeah, when you write it out and you see it, you know, in a week's planning thing, I think that helps a lot. I've got a small, a very, very small version of that, but it does help. So that's great. So, so is that how you organize your time and your family yeah. responsibilities then is with yeah. your whiteboard? That's great. Uh, more activities outside of the home, probably. I don't know. Maybe I'm not understanding the question that well, but we just kind of do school from nine to two. We have recess at 1030 and lunch at noon and... Then I don't schedule anything else until after two or three. So we do that. I also have a marble jar that I give marbles to the kids to throughout the week. So when they get 110 marbles, we go do a family activity. So anything that I have to convince my child that they want to do, I just bribe them with marbles. (laughs) (laughs) And do they pick they pick the activity beforehand then or? Yeah. When the, when, the, when the jar empties, they pick the next activity. So that when we start feeling it, they know what they're trying to earn. Oh, that's cool. So. Yeah, and usually it, we go to play laser tag or go for a bike ride or sometimes we'll go for a movie, but yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. I need to do the marble time. <laughs> <laughs> it's way fun. So I was telling you that our, our beginning of our day is really fun. And I got this idea from Charlotte Mason. It's called Laying Down the Rails. But anyway, I have a three by five card file box and it has tabs in it. And it's, I'm going to explain it and it hopefully will make sense. But the tabs say daily, odd, even, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then one, two, three, four, clear to 31. And so things I want to learn or songs I want to learn, I put into the front of the card box under daily. And so those things will practice daily until we learn those and master those and then they'll work their way back. So like for today, we sang a song and did our poem for today that we're working on learning. And then it was an odd day. So we did the poems that that were in that pocket. And then it's Friday. So we did the ones in that pocket. And then it's the 17th. So we did the ones in that pocket. So does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're going from a daily review to an every other day review to once a week and then once a month. And so we have learned... I don't even know how many poems and scriptures and hymns and songs doing that. And it's so fun. And we have such a good time. And my children at the drop of a hat can say a funny poem or quote a scripture. I mean, if they forgot that they were supposed to do something in church, they have something they can do. Oh, that's really neat. I think you can learn a lot of life values and lessons from memorizing poems that maybe you can't through a lecture. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, sometimes when you recall those things, especially when you're having a hard time or 
it's something to relate with the poem that you've learned. Sometimes you can draw on that for strength. So that's great. I really commend you for that. I was really good at doing that when my kids were younger and I just find myself, I'm going to have to do the box. You're giving me all kinds of good ideas because you get kind of get out of the habit and then you forget all those, you know, all those things that you did learn. So great tip. So we talked about some successes you've seen with some of your children, but how do you think your family, your overall family, has benefited the most from homeschooling? Probably that we're friends. We're all friends. We like each other. We like to hang out together. And my children are friends. In fact, through the years, there's been times when different children have gone back to school for different reasons. And I've always noticed that as soon as they go back to school, they're not as nice to their siblings and they're not as good of friends anymore. And so when we're all home together... We're just more united. Yeah, it is. You have more of a common purpose Mm -hmm. in a way. That's great. Any other things that you can think of that you benefited from? Uh, Well, learning in general. I told you we were part of classical conversations. And the reason I love it is because I learn stuff. Yeah. If, If I'm not learning, I'm bored. And so I like to learn new things. And we're always learning new things. And my husband, who hated to read... You can't live in my home and not like to read. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's very few rooms, maybe the bathrooms, but there's very few rooms in my house that don't have bookcases. And I even have bookcases in closets. I mean, I, really, I have books throughout the entire house and I've read most of them. And I just love reading and I love learning. And and so like we've started our own little family colloquia, you know, that we're, our married kids are going to you know, Skype in and we're going to talk about books together. So it's really it does create a an environment of family learning, you know, where you're all learning from each other. And I think that's pretty like, that's just a natural um, sidebar to homeschooling, I think, is that, you know, you become more conscious as a parent and and more aware and and definitely more educated because you're part of that environment. Right. So what kind of long-term goals do you have for yourself or for your family? Well, I've got four of my six basically raised. And so my my goal right now is just to get these last two launched and just to get them wherever they need to be. And I've seen really great results this last year. Been a hard school year this year. We've really focused on the basics. We totally changed our curriculum because because of the challenges of, of my children. And we've seen great progress. So I'm just really wanting to help them become the best they can be. That's great. I mean, that's, that's the best goal you can do. It's the best you can be. So, so Mm -hmm. what advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who's just starting out? Well, number one, don't try to make homeschool look like public school. (laughs) And you don't really have to have a ton of stuff to have a great homeschool. When I started homeschooling, I studied all the different philosophies of homeschooling, and I came across some major commonalities. And pretty much, you know what that is? Read great books. Yeah. All of them. Read great books and discuss them. So if you have a good library and a good book list and you're willing to talk with your kids, really, you don't really need a lot more than that. Yeah. When you can learn a lot of different subjects, you know, have your reading be the focus, but there's so many different subjects that you can be learning about as you're trying to read, you know, as you're trying to do those things. So, and then a little bit of math on top of that, that that's pretty much it. So, So, do you have any favorite books or resources that you'd like to share with us? Yes. 
So my number one favorite resource right now is I just learned about a product that helps with focus and memory and it's good for people that are like in football that are hitting their head a lot and it heals the brain and it heals the dendrites and the neurons. It's really exciting. If anyone wants to check it out, you can check it out at neriumeht.com. That's spelled N-E-R-I-U-M-E-H-T.com. And then if someone was interested in ordering it, you can order it through my husband's website, which is Warner. W-A-R-N-E-R dot a real breakthrough dot com. Okay. Okay. I will I will have to check that out. My my son ended up we got in a wreck uh let's see a year and a half ago and I still think he's he's suffering from that concussion that he, that he yeah. had. So I'm definitely gonna check that one out. So great. Do you want to tell us more about it then? Well yeah, a little bit. It's from was developed from Princeton University, which I understand is the number one university in the world. And it's a research group that got together and they found this molecule. It's a molecule in coffee, actually. It's not, it's not caffeine. People who drink a lot of coffee tend not to have Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. Hmm. And so they were looking for what it was in the coffee that helped protect these people's brains. And they found this molecule, EHT, and then they did some other stuff to it. And it heals the TAU tau of the... See, it gets really complicated. So (laughs) all I know is my kids that... I I have two children with ADD. I'm definitely going to try it on them. I'm going to put my mom on it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to put Robert's parents on it. I mean, it's just... It looks like it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I feel like it's a gift from God. I've gone out to all my friends. I have a friend with MS. I have a friend with ADD. And and I've said, hey, I think this is a gift. I think it will help you try it. So Yeah, that's awesome. I like things that help focus me because sometimes I can be a little bit scatterbrained like that. i got so much going on. (laughs) So great. So I will try that And I do have other favorites if you want to hear those. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So I love Write Start Math for beginning elementary school. Love, love, love it. They use an abacus, and I think it's amazing. I love, love, love Honey for a Child's Heart. It's a book that recommends books, but at the beginning of it, it tells you how to make a a love of learning environment in your family. And then my newest book book is the Trivium Mastery from Diane Lockman, and that's what talks about the classical being skills-based. And then for kids that are challenged, I totally love Diane Craft's curriculum. We're using her Right Brain Phonics and her Right Brain Writing program. Oh, okay. And then I also use a reading program called Spire, and that's all caps with periods in between, S-P-I-R-E, and it's an ortho-Gillingham reading program. So if you have kids that's that struggle, those are some things you might try. said it's for kind of a special needs or struggling student then? Diane Craft and the Spire, yes. Okay. So if you could leave a legacy, what would it be? Healthy, loving, serving children. That would be a wonderful legacy. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you think of the statues that some of the the classical uh, historians left but having those children that leave that behind is an even bigger legacy than, you know, some statue that's erected in your name. So 
That's right. awesome. So before we say goodbye, do you have any final parting words of advice or maybe a favorite quote that you'd like to share? And then please reiterate your contact information so we can get in touch with you. Oh, thanks. I will. I do. This is a poem, well, a, a saying that my children and I learned, and it's by Emmett Fox. There is no difficulty that enough love will not conquer. No disease that enough love will not heal. No door that enough love will not open. No gulf that enough love will not budge. No wall that enough love will not throw down. No sin that enough love will not redeem. It makes no difference how deeply seated may be the trouble, how hopeless the outlook, how muddled the tangle, how great the mistake. A sufficient realization of love will dissolve it all. That is great. Thank you. You're welcome. And, so, and contact information? Well, um, I guess that would be warnerdebbie 63 at hotmail.com. Okay. So W-A-R-N-E-R-D-E-B-B-I-E-6-3 at hotmail.com. Or if you're interested in ordering the EHT, it would be Warner, W-A-R-N-E-R dot A-R-E-A-L. B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com. So Warner dot a real breakthrough dot com. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. It's been fun talking to you. And like I said, I mean, she's been a mentor for, I think, Tate. You were a mentor for yeah. little Tate. So. Teaching him, yeah, teaching him Spanish, and he still remembers a lot of the words that you taught him. So that was pretty great. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Luminous Mind. To learn more about Deborah Warner, go to our show notes at theluminousmind.net. Also, be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list. We would love to have you join our program. Do so by going to the scheduling tab and become a fire starter today. Help support the podcast by making all your Amazon purchases through the free Amazon widget on our website, theluminousmind.net. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Google+. Get our audio content on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Leave us a review. Tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education 